All right, well, uh, we're going to jump in this morning. We're wrapping up, we're finishing up our F words you can say in church. Everybody enjoyed, I hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this series. Pastor Chris got us kicked off with a great word on faith, and then we've talked about, uh, last week we talked about finances, amen? How many people say, thank you, Lord, for finances? You'd better thank him for it or you'll be sorry you didn't. I'm telling you, right? Where it's a lot better to thank him for it than not have them. So, um, but today we want to jump in and um, I'm going to give you, I want, I want to give you seven words, all right? Seven words. So you can take notes here. Seven quick words. We're going to run through this pretty quickly. We've got some special events uh, that are going to be uh, going on here in just a minute, but seven, seven words. And, and just before, while you're uh, getting your pen out or your your phone out to be able to take these seven words down. I want to read a scripture from Hebrews chapter 10. Write these scriptures down and you can go back and look at it later. But just um, just along with the line of what God's been doing here this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, There's a great F word for you, the flesh of Jesus that he offered as a sacrifice for us, paves the way, gives us entryway into the presence of Almighty God. And having a high priest, a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Pastor Chris preached about that a couple weeks ago. Okay. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Everybody say that word, faithful. Faithful. God is faithful, folks. I'm telling you, he will not fail you. He will not leave you. He will not disappoint you. Amen. He is faithful. And because of that, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You know the reason that we come together? Matter of fact, that next scripture says this. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Have you noticed that? Listen, they dealt with this all the way back in the early church, that there were some people that didn't really feel like, didn't need to gather together. But Jesus says, or tells us, instructs us through the word of God, says that we need to come together for fellowship. We need to come together because there's something strengthening. When we come together, we get to stir up love and good works in each other. And we need to do this even more as we see the day of the return of the Lord coming. Amen? So let me encourage you, continue to be faithful, be strong, be diligent, plug in, get connected, get connected to God, get connected here in the church, get connected in relationships, and let's watch how God works both in us and through us for his glory until Jesus comes. Amen? Am I talking to the right people this morning? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, you ready? You got your pens? You ready to go? All right, word number one, F word number one today is flourish. Flourish. Psalm 92 says this. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. A palm tree. I don't know if uh, palm trees happen to be my favorite, my favorite tree. 
Um, there was a time when uh, we had thought about when we were thinking about when we were moving out to this property. I, I saw two palm trees planted out at the uh, uh, at the front entrance. I thought in my just in imagination, you know. I thought and um, I thought we could just call this the Two Palms Church, right? You know, and and that's why we're New Covenant. All right, so right there. So, but but uh, I thought you know two palms. Jesus is two palms. But I love palm trees. <clears throat> you know what? Rain or shine, they still do their thing. Amen. They, they are there in the, they stand the winds, they stand the heat, they stand the drought and they keep on. So they shall flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Planted where? In the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright, that he is my rock, and there is no righteous unrighteousness in him. How many people want to be fresh and flourishing throughout the years of your life? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, I'd rather, much rather be fresh and flourishing, green and productive than all shriveled and dried up. Amen? Amen. That's God's purpose for us. Listen, that's the heart of God for every person, for every man, every woman, every boy and girl. And that's our purpose. It's our desire for each and every person here. We, we want to see people that are plugged into God, that are connected to God, that are flourishing in his presence, that are experiencing who he is. And all you have to do is plug into him. Just stay connected to him. Just, 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 just draw close to him. And he will keep you strong. He will keep you mighty. He will keep you powerful. He will keep you hopeful. He will keep you peaceful. And he does this in you. The great thing is he desires to export it through you to everyone around you. Amen? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we have a team out at the laundromat this morning. I'm so thankful to Hannah for spurring this on and for, for leading us in this. I'm thankful that it's, we're not just concerned about the ones inside. But we're concerned about the ones that are outside that are going to be coming inside. I said, I'm concerned about the ones that are outside that are going to be coming inside. Anybody believing for that? To see people saved, to see more people coming in, more people experiencing the blessings and benefits of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing I believe that people desire more than seeing people who are experiencing the peace and the, and the freedom and the life that God brings. And and that, that brings us to the second word, word number two today, freedom, freedom, freedom. Anybody, how many people would say, I'd rather be free than a prisoner? Amen. 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 That's God's purpose. Galatians chapter one from the English standard version puts it like this. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I like this. We've got a choice. We, we get to choose whether we will submit to a yoke of slavery or we will submit to the freedom that Jesus purchased for us. Can I tell you that God wants every person free? I was meeting with um, Matt and Sue uh, Broadfield this week who lead our freedom ministry and they're the freedom team is busy in prayer and preparation for, uh, for Kairos. And, and we were talking about this. We were talking about how that the great thing about stepping into freedom in Jesus Christ is every time you take a step, you realize that there's so many more steps to take, that there's so much more freedom that God has for you. And, but, but yet there's still a concern on our heart that there are people who maybe have inched into freedom 
but slipped at times back into bondage. Anybody ever had that happen in your life? Nobody's going to admit that, huh? I have. <laughs> but you know, that's why, the, that's why the scripture says, so stand fast in the freedom, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has made us free. Don't, don't get entangled in those things. Don't go back. Don't let the old patterns, don't let the old habits, don't let the old thought patterns, don't let the old belief systems come in. But keep pressing in to the freedom that God has for us. Amen? Luke 4, 18 says, this is why Jesus came. Jesus talking about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives. Do you know that? That's why Jesus came, to proclaim freedom, your freedom and my freedom. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says this. It says, now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You want to know how to maintain freedom? You want to know how to grow in freedom? You want to know how to be able to lead people and direct people towards freedom? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Isn't it amazing as we worship this morning, all of a sudden we sense, we sense the Spirit of the Lord. And we sense that there's freedom to receive healing. There's freedom to receive ministry. There's freedom to receive His grace and His peace and his, his goodness in, in our lives. Where does it come from? It comes from his presence, his presence. Let's ask the Holy Spirit just to continue to work in us and to, to fill us. And, and that's the next word, as a matter of fact. Number three is, is fullness, is fullness. In the same way that we get to choose freedom, we get to choose whether or not we will live full of the presence of the Lord. I, um, I used to say this all the time, that, 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 that we sometimes, I think, as believers, we get into a pattern that reminds me, oh, you guys will love this. So uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, sometime in the last couple of weeks, I think I expressed to you all how that I hate getting in the car, you know, and the gas gauge be on E and how that I was in a Yvette's car, you know, and, and barely drove out of the driveway. And, and all of a sudden this little flashing light starts flashing at, at me, you know, and how it just kind of irritates me a little bit and it bothers me. But one is I don't want her to run out of gas and all that. So yesterday I'm sitting at the house and I, uh, we had switched cars. I was picking up some stuff and needed the, the Jeep. And so she had my car and I get this, um, this ping on my phone and and she shows me, she takes a picture of the gas gauge in my car. And there was a glowing yellow light there. <laughs> Don't you just hate that, man, when you have to practice what you preach and eat your words and stuff like that? But, but you know what? <laughs> so she goes, uh, she goes, I love this. I'm not sure why. That really concerned me. But, but she filled the car up and said, thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate you for doing that. But you know, we get, to have a, we get to choose whether we will walk full or we will walk empty. Uh, you know, it's like if the car's on E, don't just get a dollar's worth of gas. Amen? That only gets you to the next gas station. And sometimes that's how we live our lives. It's like we're just trying to get to the next event or get to the next church service, or get to the next Bible study. And you know what? God says, you don't have to just stay on E. You can be filled. As a matter of fact, Ephesians tells us that you can be continually filled with the Spirit of God. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, that you walk wisely, not as fools. There's a not so good F word right there, right? Fools. But as wise people, redeem the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many people want to know what the will of the Lord is? Anybody? Here's the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation, which is shame, but be filled with the Spirit. The will of God is that we continually are people who are continually being filled with the fullness of the Spirit. How does that happen? It's because we are people who say, God, we're here, we're submitted to you, we're dependent upon you, we're reaching out to you, we're open to you, so fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit. How many people think fullness is a great word? I think so. I'm so thankful that that's, this is what God wants. God wants to fill us. This is how God's kingdom, okay, fills, lives in us. He fills us. God wants sons and daughters who don't walk in shame, who don't walk in despair, who don't walk in depression, who don't walk stressed out and filled with, with anxiety. And listen, we've all been there. I mean, I've been there. I've been there this week at times. We've been there. We've experienced those things. But we can experience them, but we don't have to live there. Amen? That God says that we can live in a place where we have the fullness of his presence, where we have his peace, where we have his love, where we, where we truly, where we've experienced, you ready for the next F word? Where we've experienced his forgiveness. Forgiveness. Anybody here thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord? Man, some of you should be really a lot more thankful than that. I know your past. So, I mean, you know what? You should have both hands up, one leg up in the air. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, I am thankful. I love what Psalm 32 says from the easy to read version. It says, it's a great blessing when people are forgiven for the wrongs that they have done, when their sins are erased. Anybody get a picture of that? You remember somebody going up to the chalkboard or the whiteboard, and man, they're just erasing things. But it's not that God has just erased our sins. Get this. Forgiveness is not that he has just erased them and said, oh yeah, you did it, but I'm going to erase the traces of it. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. It's a great blessing when the Lord says, they are not guilty. Not guilty. So when they're not guilty, then you don't have to try and hide a sin. Can, can I tell you that so many times I think what the enemy tries to get us to do is to go, you know, I really am, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm just a worm, I'm just a, I've, I've lived my life, I'm just an old, old, old scallywag, I'm just, a, I'm just a rotten old scoundrel, I'm just an old bad guy. And you know what? Can I tell you this in all love this morning to you? That's not what God says about you. That, that's not who God says you are. God says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, God says that you are the ones who have been redeemed, that you've been taken off the slave box and, and dusted off and cleaned up and put back in the house, put back in your rightful place. You know why I love this scripture here? Because it says, God says they are not guilty. 
So, so every accusation of sin, every time the enemy comes and tries to remind you of those things that you did in the past, you know what you can do? You can just say, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Every shortcoming. Somebody needs this this morning. I sense this. Somebody needs this. Somebody needs to get this. Every shortcoming, every inadequacy, every time the enemy has come and told you that you, you're, you're, you don't measure up and you've just bought into it and believed it and you've been in this downward spiral and then you feel guilty for this not being stronger or powerful or mighty. Can I tell you that every time we've failed, every time we've missed the mark, God says, not guilty through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not guilty. It's forgiveness. No blame, no shame. Matthew chapter six says this. It says, then not only if we forget, do we receive forgiveness, but then we give forgiveness. It says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's pretty simple. Forgiven people forgive people. Amen? Forgiven people forgive people. I don't know about you, but I remember, I remember my sins being forgiven the very first time and I remember my sin being forgiven this week. That's because of the goodness. It's because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. It's because of all he did. Who am I then to have received so much not be willing to forgive someone else? Let me, let me say this just as, as plainly as possible. If you are a son or a daughter of Almighty God, if you are saved, if you are born again, there are two experiences of forgiveness that you must have. One is receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and two is expressing, is giving forgiveness, is giving forgiveness to everyone who has hurt you. Wait a minute, Pastor. Everyone who has hurt me? What, what about that person who's hurt me time and time and time again? Do you know what the scripture says? It says this, it says, how many times should we forgive? Seven times or seven times seven? No, 70 times seven. You know what that really means? It means an endless amount of times does forgiveness flow from us. Now, let me say this. Forgiveness doesn't have, it's not about empowering or releasing the other person. It's about releasing you. It's about getting you off the hook. Sometimes one of the greatest signs of forgiveness is that you've set appropriate boundaries in your life. Amen? If every time you walk by somebody, they kick you, you may want to walk in a little wider circle, right? <laughs> you can forgive them, but you don't have to continue to be subject to it. But forgiveness in the heart, I forgive them. I like what Colossians chapter 3 says. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another. And if anyone, if anyone has a complaint against another person, anybody here ever had a complaint against another person? 
Any person, anybody here ever driven down South Broadway on a Friday afternoon? Anybody? So, okay. Anybody here ever had a complaint against another? There you go. You know, man, I've complained about a whole bunch of people. Listen to this. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each one as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This, this folks, is how God's kingdom operates. Love and compassion. Forgiving one another. Listen, we need to practice forgiving one another. Amen? I mean, I mean, that's what you do. If you're going to be in a relationship, if you're going to be in a relationship with another brother or a sister or in a church, you're going to need to be a person who has the ability to forgive because people will hurt you. People will disappoint you. People will fail you. People will miss the mark. They will, they, 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 they will let you down. Amen? They really, really will. No, no elbows here today, all right? I don't want to see elbows, right? But we get the opportunity. So every time that happens, it gives us the opportunity to manifest the presence of Jesus Christ in forgiving one another. I need your forgiveness. There's times when, when I fail, when I miss it. As, as spiritual leaders, we're going we're gonna to blow it sometimes. And, and, and if there's a, a letter of the law, a rigidity, a religious spirit that, that just demands perfection, can I tell you that, that I'm so sorry that, that Jesus was the perfect one and, and we want to walk as close to that as possible. We might let you down. We might fail you. And so please forgive us. As a matter of fact, can I tell you what I think I would, would go ahead and do in my heart? And I pray this, you know, the Lord's prayer when it says, you know, father and forgive me my trespasses, my sins, my debts as I forgive others. You know, I, I would just go ahead and say, Lord, would you fill my life, fill my heart so full of your love that no matter what anybody does to me today, I will have already forgiven them. How many people think that'd be a great way to live? Wouldn't you like to live that way in a church and live that way in a community? How about living that way in a family? How about that? There's, a, there's another F word. F word number five, family. Family. I know that, um, that some, for some people, family is a very difficult issue. There have been hurts and there have been pains. There have been disappointments in families. But can I also tell you, the family is the place where you're going to experience some of the greatest joys, the greatest celebrations, the greatest moments, the most, the most humorous times that you will ever experience. Amen. How many people have said, I mean, I've got some stories I could tell that would just embarrass the fire out of my family. Amen. Right. I mean, we, boy, we could, we could, family is fun. Family is loving. Family is, is gracious. Family, family is the, is the cornerstone. It's the foundational point upon which every other thing, every other community is built. The, 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 the community of, of, of our city, the community of our nation, the community of the world, the community. Churches are built around families, families of one and families of many. Family is a great, a great thing. And, and in families is where we get to, first of all, practice the things we've just talked about. Of being loving and compassionate, about being gracious and kind. Let me, let me say, we, we've kind of adopted a little saying around here that says, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? If, you, if your relationship with Jesus, if you, if you can't be kind to your wife or your husband or, your, or to your kids, then, then, then don't try to tell other people. Don't take it outside. But can I tell you this? By the presence of the Lord, by the instruction of the word of God, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be gracious and you can be kind and you can be loving and you can be forgiving to the people that God has put you, has put in your family. You can walk victoriously in those areas. doesn't mean that anybody's going to be perfect, but you know what? It does mean that we're going to be loving and peaceful. And out of that, there's going to be a unity that dwells, that builds strength, strength that lasts and strength that marks us. And so that it impacts our lives on a day-to-day basis, but it lasts for generations to come. I, I do that. I pray all the time for the generations, the generations of my family, the generations of your family. Let, let me tell you, even for our teens and our 20s and young marrieds, now's the time to be thinking generationally. Now's the be time to be thinking about God working in you to work through you to your children and to your children's children. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, where it says that even though sin is imputed to three and four generations, righteousness extends to thousands. Your righteous acts of love and forgiveness and kindness and graciousness to your husband and to your wife and to your children and to your moms and to your dads. I thought I'd get a big amen for moms and dads. Thanks for leaving me out there, guys. I appreciate it. All those wonderful times when you get up and make your beds and you do the dishes and you clean up without being asked for it. Come on, moms and dads, where are you at there, right? Woo! All those times. Man, those are great things that God is working in us and through us to make us strong so that then we can export it. You know, and we don't... uh, we don't just export it to the world. We do it. We don't just do it as individual, you know, families, but we do it as a church family. Ephesians chapter two, verse 17 says this, it says, and he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and peace to those who were near to the Jews and to the Gentiles. He, to every person, he preached peace for through him. We both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer, listen, now we're talking to those who are in Jesus Christ. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but now you are fellow citizens with the saints. We're part of a community of believers and we are members, members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're members of the household of God. We are family members one with another. Look at the person to your right. Look at the person to your left. Okay. If there's anybody there. Go ahead. Do it. Just turn your head. You know, like that. And can I tell you that you have a spiritual opportunity, a spiritual privilege, and a spiritual responsibility for that person. To pray one for another, to encourage each other to love into good works. All this, I'm just telling you, we need to understand how valuable it is to be a part of the family of God. 
There have been people this week. Uh, I ran into a brother in, in Home Depot the other, other day, and we were walking down the aisle, and it started out kind of just giving the, uh, the, the, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And, and uh, we were both trying, you know, I think we were trying to ignore each other, pretend like we didn't see each other, so, you know. But then we got to talk for a little bit, and we were able to really to just to share that there was some stuff that we'd been going through and stuff. And you know what? Knowing that he prayed for me and I was praying for him, it, it strengthens us. The Bible says, you know, that, that, that a, three a threefold cord can't easily be broken. That's why God puts us in families. The scripture says that the lonely he puts in families. Look, I'm not going to receive the definition of all the broken things of family. What I want to do is I want us to live the definition of what the family of God really should look like. Amen? Wouldn't you like to be that example? Wouldn't you like for the world to see a, a family of God who really loved each other and cared for each other and really reached out to each other and really really ministered to each other and really helped one another? And, and, and when you're... Um, you know, when your ox is in the ditch, or let's, in a more modern translation, when you're moving from one apartment to the next or one house, to the, that you got other brothers and sisters that come along and help you. And listen, you guys do this wonderfully. I'm so proud of how you do this. Just uh, the times when we hear about meals being taken to families and to people who are sick and to shut-ins and phone calls that are made and, and cards that are written. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. And, and, and really, this is, that's kind of the next, the next word. I'll just leave this with you here. But it's the word number six, F word number six is forever. Forever. You know, Jesus talks about it like that. He said that, that we're not just family for here and now, but we are family forever. You know that scripture in John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world, Right? that he gave his only son, that, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but that he should have what? Eternal life. Ecclesiastes says it like this. It says that eternity is bound up in the heart of man. Well, we realize that all, just living on this earth is not all there is to it, that there's more to come. I, I, I encourage you to have an eye towards eternity. And here in just a minute, we're gonna do something as family. As a matter of fact, we're gonna, we're gonna have some baby dedications. And, uh, and I say that to say this, that, that this is a family event, but it's also an eternal thing. I, I honestly do. I look at, at some of our young people and, and, and I look at families and I know that, that the prayers that we've prayed, I know that the words of encouragement that we've spoken, I know that those times when we've had to say, quit being stupid, you know, <laughs> and that they've listened and they've grown and they've developed, that these are going to bring eternal benefits.